0: Support for WVIK comes from Kathleen Collins at the Dragonfly in Bettendorf. Using both conventional and alternative counseling methods for empowerment to help create change for individuals and couples. More information is at KathleenCollinsCounseling.com. Support for Talking Heart on WVIK comes from the people at Quad City Bank and Trust, helping the local community with their banking and financial needs for more than 20 years. Information is at QCBT.com. Support also comes from the estate of Margaret Skinner, a longtime friend of WVIK and lover of the arts. This is Carolyn Martin, and I'm talking art today with Leonetta Elijo and Valerie Sloan, who are both from the national organization called Students Rebuild, and also with Laura Reed, the Outreach and Community Engagement Coordinator for the Figgy Art Museum in Davenport. So welcome to the three of you.
1: Thanks so much for having us, Carolyn. Thanks, Carolyn.
0: Of course. And we are going to talk today about the new exhibit at the Figgy entitled Facing Difference, a project organized by the Students Rebuild organization, which blends social consciousness with art. So let's learn first
1: about the Students Rebuild organization. What is this program all about? Yeah, Students Rebuild is a wonderful program of the Bezos Family Foundation, And our mission is simple. It's to get young people taking action on critical global issues through the means of making art. So what we do every year, we pick an annual critical social justice issue that's something that young people are passionate about, and we invite them to make a simple, tangible piece of art in response to their passion and willingness to take action around that issue. And then each piece of art that's made, our foundation, the Basil's Family Foundation, matches it with a monetary donation that is given towards the cause on behalf of that young person in response to their creativity and making art.
0: Well, this sounds awesome. When was the organization founded? And what was the impetus for that?
1: So in 2010, right after the devastating Haiti earthquake, Students Rebuild was founded, Our president, Jackie Bezos, lovingly tells the story of being in her closet and being on the phone, making phone calls, and trying to think of organizations and ways to respond and to support young people to respond to this devastating tragedy. And so in the very first year, what we did was we matched young people's fundraising efforts. So young people that were, you know, maybe did bake sales or car washes, and we matched whatever finances that they could raise with donations from the foundation. And then that quickly evolved in the next year to making art. And I think what was lovely in that transition from matching funding to making matching artistic creations was it opened up and kind of leveled the playing field for young people, no matter where you're at, where in the world, no matter whether you had access to raise money or access to kind of social capital to get money, you could be creative and leverage your creativity to make art. The other thing that is really an important part of Students Rebuild is the storytelling. And so from the very beginning and its inception, we wanted to create a program and an opportunity for young people to connect all across the world. So young people that are directly impacted by the issues and young people who maybe are in a classroom somewhere in the Quad Cities that maybe aren't impacted by the Syrian refugee crisis or the Haiti earthquake or poverty in some of the developing countries of our world that they could meet and connect with young people virtually, globally, hear their stories. Um, so that is a big part of Students Rebuild, that storytelling element.
0: It's a, it's a worldwide organization. So there's students from many different countries who participate, all U.S. states and uh, something like 80 plus countries. What is the challenge behind the, this latest campaign? And, and um, they do an annual campaign this year is called Facing Difference. So let's talk about that
1: every year. So we try to think about what are issues are young people passionate about? And when we looked at the world, in the state of the world today, young people, there's a lot of conflict, whether it's bullying that's happening in your schools, conflicts raising in communities, or civil wars happening all around the world. The root cause of that often is the inability to effectively engage difference. And so when we thought about the idea of engaging difference, at first you just have to face it, be curious about the other. And so we developed the Facing Difference campaign and invited young people to think about their own identity, what makes them them, what makes them unique, and to be curious about those that are different from them. And so our creative call to action, as we like to call it, was to invite them to create a self-portrait. And so for every self-portrait that they made, A donation of $3 was made on their behalf to organizations that impact and engage young people in areas of conflict where difference has really been a major factor in in divisions in Mm -hmm. in those communities. So in Sri Lanka, Nigeria, and in uh, the South Caucus region are are areas that we funded and focused on through this challenge. Mm -hmm.
0: So these organizations, the Bezos Family uh, Foundation has collaborated with several other organizations.
1: Yeah, Search for Common Ground. They're based out of New York and do incredible peace-building work all around the world. And so we partnered with them uh, in their project in Nigeria, in the Middle Belt region of Nigeria. Uh, And then we also worked with Care International, which is another really Um, reputable international humanitarian organization. And we supported two projects of theirs. That was the Sri Lanka project, and also in the South Caucasus region. And so every year, we're looking for organizations that are doing impactful work related to the issue. And so this year, those two organizations really had these standout programs that we're excited to get young people behind.
0: Now, how many portraits were created for this project, roughly?
1: 201, I think, 938 <laughs> is the <laughs> well, that's final number. number. <laughs> <laughs>
0: so that's a lot. Um, and so how much money did that translate into being raised for these social causes?
1: Every year we set an up to amount because we have very ambitious and wonderful young people and students all over the world that mobilize. So this year it was up to $600,000. So we just, young people just exceeded that goal in terms of number of portraits at three Dollars a piece, but we were able to give six hundred thousand dollars to those two organizations yep. that I mentioned,
0: which is just fantastic. We're talking about this today because the Figgy Art Museum in our community was chosen to be the site for the national site for this Facing Differences exhibit, and and how did that come about?
2: That question still remains in my head because we have worked with students rebuild. Um, you know, at first it started from afar. Honestly, we learned about. The organization, I think it came back to me some information from a conference, and um, and then we, you know, I just looked on through their website and just grew to love the the setup of their causes and how easy it was to to teach from from the materials that they provided. And um, for me, being in an art museum and coordinating outreach is always something um, that I'm looking for in terms of translating how art can reach the masses and how art can be seen in every aspect of learning. And so one of the things that Students Rebuild does for for this whole, you know, with that mission in mind, is that it introduces students to causes that they may never have been aware of. And it makes it, in a 40-minute time frame, we can bring in concepts and world issues and make them feel like they're doing something to solve them in a very short period of time. So we, we've been doing this for six years. So in terms of actually our, our relationship with Students Rebuild and how it has grown, um, every year this, this unit that I bring into schools seems to sort of reach further and further into our community. Uh, I, I love the fact that it is something I can use throughout the school year. I actually call this one of our units, it's called Art and World Issues. Teachers are very intrigued by that, and they want me to bring that that lesson into their classroom. And, um, you know, what, as Leonetta said, once we introduce what it's about, the kids are on fire. They are ready to go, and they really want to make an impact. So I think our museum actually turned in close to 2,000 portraits because it's also something that we can even do within the museum. So on special days where we have family days or, or special events, we can actually have something set up with a looping video explaining what we're, we're trying to accomplish here and how we're supporting Students Rebuild. Um, so all in all, um, I'm going to support what Leonetta just stated. It's really something that everyone feels like they can be a part of and create impact in a very short amount of time and learn something from it.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, I think that's beautiful because, you know, it gets frustrating even for adults feeling uh, that feeling of helplessness, like you can't direct or change the course of action. And that's probably even way more so for for children, kids, mm-hmm. or youth. So being able to contribute in a way that creative call to action, I think, is how your organization terms it is just, it's, it's really perfect. What what age groups are involved in this project?
1: K through 12. So we span the entire um, kind of school system. So we've got um, kids as young as five years old that are making self-portraits in their classroom. And we've got kids that are, you know, in an advanced AP art class in, you know, 11th, 12th grade that are also participating in our challenges annually. So it's really lovely to see kind of the breadth of of artistic uh, creativity that comes mm-hmm. across those grades,
0: yeah, and I think that's fun because what we create in elementary school is so different from high school, and it's really um, lovely to see in a, yeah. in a in a in a single room the the range of, um, of of skill and how we progress in a relatively short period of time. Mm-hmm. Um, so, another story within this larger context that I think is interesting is is the curatorial process. So roughly 200,000 self-portraits were sent, I'm assuming mailed, to the Mm -hmm. figgy. And then how did it get curated? Because a a much smaller percentage of those self-portraits can be exhibited. So Val, how did that process work?
3: So every year when we're when we end up with hundreds and thousands of pieces of the art, the challenge is always, how do we display this in a way that's that honors all this work, that celebrates this work, and also is a really interesting interactive public exhibit where we can continue to raise more awareness for this issue that we've just talked about all year. And so one of the things that we try to do is all throughout our program is weave in youth voice, youth agency. And so we've started to, in these artistic culminations, bring in youth curators to help determine what is the exhibit going to look like, what kind of art are we going to put on the wall, and what is a good sample selection of all of this art? We can obviously, we don't have the resources to put 200,000 individual portraits on the wall, so what would be an honorable sample that we could put on the walls to represent all this great work? And so through Laura, we were introduced to Davenport's Creative Arts Academy, And their educator, Heidi Hernandez, looped in a group of about 15 um, middle school students who got the design challenge to say, hey, if we were going to design this in the Museum Studio 2, what would it look like? How could we make it interactive? How would you choose to display the portraits? And so over a few months back in the late winter, early spring, they sent us several proposals with um, sketches and maps and really neat way to bring the the global perspective and the global reach of the program into the exhibit. And so what you see comes from a lot of their brainstorming, their ideas. They helped open the first boxes of portraits that actually came into the museum. And so we were honored to have their help in designing this exhibit. And that kind of
0: furthers that whole empowerment Issue that we talked about first of all, being feeling empowered, like you have, you know, you have a, a role. We can face these differences together, and then these sixth grade students, I believe, or middle school, Mm -hmm. um, were able to actually create the space and design design the exhibit, which is just amazing. How long will it be up? It will be up until September seventeenth. So people still have plenty of time to head on down to the Figgy, and it's on the second floor. This story is just so beautiful. It kind of moves us, of course, in our community. It's so much more personal because we get to see it. But I love the the fact that it's a national organization that pulls the whole big wide world in and directly addresses these global challenges. And and so each one is identified each year. I kind of would love to go back to that this year. Of course, it's the Facing Differences. And you said it started with the Haitian earthquake. So how are these annual concepts or challenges identified?
1: We invite our community. We want to listen to young people. So we know that our program, we're trying to Uh, meet young people where they're at with the passions that they have about the issues that are important to them. And so we ask them, we invite them to suggest to us ideas of um, issues that they're passionate about and concerned about. We try not to revisit the same issues. We try to think about different parts of the world, Um, again, because we not only do we want to help young people make art, but we also want to invite them into learning and And understanding different parts of the country. So for our teams that come year after year, we want to be exposing them to new issues and, and new parts of the world. Um, So what we do, we take their feedback, and then we do a lot of our own research. And a lot of it is really kind of finger in the wind, like what's, what's also really relevant right now? What do we feel like um, is really timely? Um, and so then we go through an internal process of research, uh, trying to identify organizations that we think are doing good work, and then we narrow that down and select an issue, kind of thinking about all of those things, kind of relevance, young people's interest, um, and kind of timeliness, um, and, and revisiting uh, or, or exposing our audience to new, new areas and new issues.
0: Mm-hmm. And there's a, somewhat of a curriculum, too, that goes along with this. What other resources are created to help students learn about the chosen problem?
1: Yeah, yeah. I'm so glad you asked about that because that's a big part of Students Rebuild. Um, so we create every year lovely videos. Some of them will be up and playing at the Figgy Art Museum um, during the installation there. Um, but we, so there are videos, there are lesson plans. Some of them are standards-based. We have project-based learning units. And so really we want to make it easy for our teams Who Many of them are teachers or educators like Laura who are going into classrooms and thinking about um, building learning and knowledge uh, with young people in a special area. So we want to make our materials simple, easy, accessible. They're all free and online. Um, And so we, every year, are thinking about what types of tools to help educators and and leaders bring the challenge and bring the issue to life for students um, across, again, that broad age range of K through 12.
0: I noticed um, on their website that as part of this Facing Difference project, there was a friendship campaign contest, and I thought that was really fun. And you could see pictures of youth who were obviously from very different ethnic backgrounds who were friends, and, and that really seemed very symbolic of the, the whole purpose of this, of yeah. this campaign.
1: Yeah.
0: So how do students find out about these projects in your program in general, and, and do schools or particular classrooms participate, or can an individual student join in?
3: Yeah, so we have all different groups who participate in Students Rebuild. Really, I, I think the bulk of it is K-12, but from preschool to college sororities. And really the way people find out about it the most is word of mouth. So teachers telling other teachers, community leaders telling other community leaders, someone like Laura going into a classroom and sharing it with the classroom teachers. And the size of the groups, it's really, you know, you create a team when you register for Students Rebuild, and a team can be yourself it can be you and your family it can actually go up to a whole district we have whole school districts that um, engage their students in this throughout the whole school year. Um, so it's, it's really depends on you. It's really a platform that anyone can use for any kind of group that they have.
0: Mm-hmm. So really important to just spread the word about this. Mm-hmm. And I can't wait to see what next year's project is, too. And then there's some professional artist engagement uh, with past projects. I, I saw, for instance, in, um, there was a paper crane challenge in Japan and, and some other things like that.
3: Yeah, and so those were parts of the culmination that we did that just look a little different. Um, instead of having student curators for that one, we worked with Vic Muniz, who's an international world-renowned photographer from Brazil. And he—he he, um, the way his photography works is he does large-scale photography of collaged objects. And so he took our cranes and translated them, with the help of children, um, into one large paper crane that was turned into a benefit poster that was for sale. Um, so just another type of culmination, not a public exhibit, but some another way to share the art
0: yeah. after the challenge Yeah, and a very creative ended. way to do that. And very creative. Two, tell us about the One Million Bones Challenge that you all did previously on the, I think, the National Mall in Washington, yeah. D.C. That sounded interesting.
3: Yeah, that was another collaboration with an artist named Naomi Natale. And so she, we actually joined that challenge after the art vision had already been laid out. But her vision was to put one million bone, handmade bones on the National Mall to raise awareness for genocide happening in East Africa. And so we joined up really wanting to get our youth audience involved in this important issue. And so Engage helped monetize the bones. And the funding went to an organization called CARE, same organization we're working with now. Um, So students everywhere became Uh, began mobilizing around these bones and bringing them to D.C. to serve as a visual protest and just a visual message to lawmakers, politicians um, of the need to intervene and help out in East Mm -hmm.
0: Africa. And art can very effectively do that. I think it's, it's very, very powerful. It's persuasive. We can learn a lot about our history just from the past, but it also illuminates our current struggles very, very well. Yeah.
3: And it's a great way to get at people's emotions and people's sense of humanity is through the visual and through
1: very personal art. Mm-hmm. One of the quotes that we love that we use a lot at Students Rebuild is by humanitarian Carl Wilkinson, and it's uh, that when you make something with your hands, it changes the way you think, it changes the way you feel, and ultimately it changes the way you act. And so I think with Students Rebuild, kind of, kind of exactly what Valerie was saying, art often Seeing and experiencing art uh, evokes those emotions, but also the process of creating art and putting your hands to work, which is what we love—that we get to do at Students Rebuild and inviting young people in that process of making and connecting, mm-hmm. connecting their passion to an issue.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, now, for this, for this current facing differences, $600,000, I believe, was was sent out worldwide to try to to bridge those differences. In total, since this started in 2010, do you have any idea how much money this project has raised?
1: Yeah, we do. Over $4 million has been mobilized Mm -hmm. by young people putting their hands uh, to art and and making beautiful expressions, whether it's a small origami paper crane, or whether it's a self-portrait, or whether it's uh, a bookmark or a paper bead, we've had some amazing uh, art projects that we've we've been able to invite young people to create. Um, so we've yeah we've seen millions of pieces of student made art, and we've mobilized <laughs> been able to mobilize over four million dollars. That's that's fantastic.
3: And I think what I'll add about the Facing Difference Challenge and the Self Portraits it's it's really our most meaningful in-depth art project that we've had to date and it's really just to go along with the content of the challenge which is about bias and examining your background it's really the most vulnerable for a lot of people to draw a picture of yourself yeah that's true I hadn't and thought what about that represents you um whether it's visual or things you like things about you your religion and so walking into the room at the figgy it's really touching it's it's not just a folded paper crane um it's just there's a lot more
0: meaning and um, personality and vulnerability behind mm-hmm. this work, I think. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And some of these came from like South Sudan, some of them came from Greece, all over the place, and were either physically mailed or some were sent, I think, mm-hmm. digitally. Or-
1: mm-hmm. Yeah. All the ones that you will see on display were mailed to us physically. So yeah, you're right. All over. I think we had about 40 countries that participated in the Facing Difference Challenge. So we've got portraits from Nigeria. We've got some from... Sri Lanka, we've got some from South Sudan, as you mentioned, uh, Australia, I mean, you name it, there, mm-hmm. there's some really rich diversity, and you can see it in the portraits, which yeah. is really lovely And these well. weren't
0: just painted. Now, maybe we should talk, too, about the different formats that they arrived in, because mm-hmm. just being told, being, being told to create a self-portrait, you can get really creative with that. Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah, it, when you walk into the room, you'll see some that are uh, silhouettes with words inside, um, you'll see some that were done uh, by printmaking, um, collage, ripped paper, um, and there's also, in addition to just all the countries we just listed, there's work in there from young people in shelters, in juvenile detention centers, so a lot of young people who just don't have the resources to help others. They, they were able to create work for this piece too, but the the breadth of materials and mediums and artistic styles is just floor to ceiling, wall to wall.
0: Yeah. Can you describe any that captivated you in particular? Um, or is that just impossible? I'm thinking with 200,000 <laughs> sent in and, and over a thousand being displayed at the Figgy. that's probably... A difficult question. I think what's striking
3: to me is just seeing great effort made on the part of all of the age groups so you'll see one from a five-year-old that's like really scribbly and um, you know you know the lines aren't quite straight and coloring outside the lines but it still looks beautiful and then we have some from you know clearly an advanced honors art class that are charcoal, pencil, black and white that look photorealistic and so I think what's exciting for us you know we Leonetta and I open every package of art that comes in and so it's like Christmas it's like a surprise every <laughs> year seeing all of these beautiful pieces of art and all these young people who care who are using their creativity to make a difference.
0: So Laura Reed, Leonetta Aliho, and Valerie Sloan thank you so much for talking today.
1: Thanks for having us yeah, Carolyn. It was great
0: of course, and how exciting that the Figgy Art Museum was chosen to be the host facility for this exhibit, with self-portraits submitted from all over the world carrying such a beautiful message of facing our differences. And congratulations also to the 6th grade Creative Arts Academy students who were able to curate the exhibit. This has been Carolyn Martin, Talking Art in the Quad Cities for WVIK. Our theme music is provided by a Quad City legend, the late Ellis Cal.